0: The blaze radio network on demand love courage truth glenn beck
1: james shaw jr he watched a kitchen employee stacking plates at the waffle house in tennessee tower of porcelain plates getting dangerously high For anybody who's never worked at a restaurant, James Shaw and his friend, they sat at the tabletop seats. They were just waiting for the loud crash of the shattered plates. So when gunfire broke out, they initially shrugged it off as the plates had fallen. Then the second eruption, then a third, and glass ricocheted around the crowded room. Everybody began to panic. They began to scatter. James Shaw leapt from his seat towards the entrance where a person was laying bleeding, motionless. Just a few minutes earlier, Shaw had seen the killer's silhouette in the gold Chevy Silverado outside, but he shrugged it off. It was 3.30 in the morning. There's no reason to assume that the 29-year-old man inside the car was trying to psych himself up for a shooting spree or... The fact that this same man sitting in the car was naked waist down. And there was certainly no reason to believe that less than a year ago, he had been arrested by Washington, D.C. police outside of the White House for unlawfully entering the area, which he told police he needed to inspect. Shaw, sitting there at the tabletop, didn't know any of this. But as he dashed for cover, went toward the door. The only thing he knew was this man now had an AR-15 and was just on the other side of the door.
0: He shot through that door, I'm pretty sure, and I'm pretty sure he grazed my arm. And it was at that time that I kind of made up my mind, because there's no way to lock that door, um, that if it was going to come down to it, he was going to have to
1: work to worked to kill me so at the time
0: that he was either reloading or the gun jammed or whatever happened is when I ran through the, the swivel door I hit him with the swivel door and then the, ga- the gun was kinda jammed up and it was pushed down so we were scuffling
1: and uh, I managed to get him with one hand on the gun
0: and then I grabbed it from him and I threw it over the countertop and then I after that, I was trying to get out the door, and I think he was pretty much in the entranceway, so I just took him out with
2: me, out of the entrance and all the way outside.
1: That is an example of a first responder, what we're all supposed to be. The shooter killed four people, but he could have killed a ton more. He could have killed everybody in the restaurant, but James Shaw Jr. was there. America, this isn't about gun control. Because the shooter had already lost his right to purchase or own a gun. You know what this story is really all about? James Shaw Jr. The bravery and the American spirit that showed up in him yesterday.
0: It's Monday, April twenty third. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program
1: from Los Angeles, California. Hello, and uh, welcome to the program. Let's say hello to our executive producer, Steve Bergier. Hello,
2: hello, Stu. Um, Stu. Thank you very much for uh, welcoming me to the program. It means a lot.
1: You're you're welcome. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I get up early this morning, and I turn on the radio, and I'm driving into work, and uh, about 10 minutes into it, I, I scream in the car, how does anyone live here? How does anyone live here? Now, there's many reasons, but let me just give you the one that hit me as I was driving, listening to the radio to the overnight talk show that was, that was um, uh, interviewing a doctor, a doctor of regression therapy. And they were having a very serious conversation about the regression therapy that this woman does, and she has helped many people, many people, through the memories of abuse. And that abuse, she helps she helps you through the memories that you have uh, of abuse. Uh, you know, maybe your father molested you. Quote at in this life. Or another timeline (laughs) and I thought wow I've never considered that I might have been abused by my father in another timeline now I don't have a DeLorean so I can never go and sue my father in that timeline but I'm not sure that that really needs to be done. If my father abused me in any timeline, I should sue my father. Don't you think, Stu?
2: And it does seem that way. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and did they cover the fact that uh, regression therapy has been completely discredited? Uh, no. Mm-mm. They didn't? No. It was... Discussed no, that. Uh, <laughs> no. I thought myself,
1: but I may have been the only one in the car here in California that was saying... What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Another timeline? <laughs> uh, it was taken, but I just want you to know. Also, uh, the news uh, broke this weekend <sighs> that you should not see a quiet place. All right, oh, no, Hollywood has a problem. No, they have a problem with with a quiet place.
2: I happened to see it this weekend, so I'm. Uh, you did? I, I, it's. I thought it was really good now i'm a hater no i'm no, hateful no, no. no it's
1: very regressive okay. it's
2: very regressive mm-hmm. okay
1: it is a right wing i'm quoting a right wing fantasy of survivalism
2: <clears throat> huh a right it's a
1: right wing right wing fantasy of survivalism
2: how is it a right wing fantasy of survivalism well it lacks
1: an authentic inner expression you know, but it does manage to bring <laughs> to the fore the idealistic elements of gun culture. So, you don't see it yet? No, okay, I l- do Listen, not see listen it. to me, listen to me, listen to me. <sighs> l- look at the family, okay?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The family who lives in silence, as to what? Not alert, angry, shelled aliens to their presence... And it is only representative of a silent white majority that doesn't dare speak freely for fear of being heard by the super sensitive ears of, quote, the dark
2: others. (laughs) This is not a real review. Uh, This is a real review. This cannot be actually. This is a real review.
1: It's from the New Yorker. Hollywood apparently has a real problem with this. Uh, because, um, and th- this this part is, are you ready? This is from uh, The Economist. It says, uh, it uh, has insulting narratives. Um, the untoting farmers, gun toting, uh, fare better against the aliens than the entire American war machine. And middle America, defenders of the right to bear arms will also see flattering reflections of themselves in the film's heroes. A photogenic white family that lives in a (laughs) backwoods farm. The movie does nothing but celebrate gun ownership, and Hollywood needs to do better. That's The Economist.
2: That is not what that movie did at all. Uh, 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 No, you
1: know what, I I gotta tell you. If, uh, If I'm being chased by shelled aliens... If a gun works if uh you know toothpicks work if an iron works i'm gonna use it i'm not celebrating the gun culture i'm celebrating the death of the alien that's trying to eat my family that's all i'm doing that's all i'm doing
2: it's amazing you have to say what signs is pro big water um you know what was uh it was uh what was War of the Worlds? Now it got. It's been so long since. Uh, I it was. Uh, it was a germ. It's yeah. That's right. It was pro pro big germ. I don't know. It's yeah. a. Uh, they, that's amazing because they without getting into you know spoiler uh, spoilers if you if you haven't seen it like there's very specific things about this family that make them uniquely qualified to be able to survive the instance they're going through, which uh, is yeah, why yeah. you know it's a it, they seem to not be joined by lots of people in the scenario right i mean that's the that is the entire plot of the movie it it very much explains why they survived and others didn't the economist i'm quoting
1: bemoaned this week hollywood's destructive reliance on the gun culture and particularly a quiet place glorification of shooting aliens the couple's other self-preservation tactics are all good but in the end, it is just the ability to squeeze a trigger that makes the difference between being a responsible parent and an alien's breakfast.
2: I mean, this is insane. I don't, I again, don't want we, to be an alien's breakfast. I- yeah. <laughs> if whatever stops you from being eaten next to I am good with by aliens. I am really good with. Positive. Uh, but again, like uh, you know, unless you've seen the movie, you might not be able to completely relate to this, but like, it does not... Spend its time glorifying gun culture. No, like it doesn't. Sp- that's not what it's about at all. It's such a- that is a really weird review. Again, this is you know you <sighs> think how hard, think how hard you have to work to get there. Oh my god,
1: that you're that you are watching that movie and you're like the silence is the white person wanting to say things but they can't
2: <laughs> because of the dark creatures. I mean, you gotta work on that Yeah, again, this is uh, once you You know, addicted to outrage again, right? Like, you wake up in the morning, and you see a movie That's really enjoyable, that's really well done And you look for a way to make it Racially divisive Like, that that, that is our culture right now That's all we do
1: I I, I want the jingle. We have to have a jingle because we should have started with that. Addicted to outrage. (laughs) We have to have a jingle because every day we come and it's a new problem. It's a new it's something new to be outraged. Somebody is pissed off about something. Instead of talking about the Waffle House today in a good way. You know that everybody else is covering this in an outrage way. Instead of saying, hey, look, look at the guy who saved everybody. Look at how great that guy is. Everybody else is going to focus on, you know, well, they they walked out at school again. I don't know if you saw that. They walked out in school last week. Students across the U.S. renewed their demand for gun safety in a second walkout. Now, you know what I found interesting? Do you remember the nationwide walkout for uh, for life mm. when the students all over the country were walking out, uh, you know, against abortion? I didn't see and I didn't see any coverage on that. It was almost like every other student led thing. This one, it's a second walkout and all of the TV cameras, all of the nationwide cameras, all the networks, they were all there somehow or another they got there. It's almost almost like they have a PR firm helping them.
2: No, no, because this is actually a student-led, uh, led, oh, completely yeah, yeah. No, grassroots uh, movement, Glenn. Absolutely. They don't, they're not getting any help, and they just happen to have those bank accounts set up You know, the day after they're shooting for the $500,000 deposits from George Clooney and, and other celebrities. That's just what happens. When you're a student, you have that sort of access.
1: Jonathan Banco and a group of 12 to 15 other students at a high school in El Paso Decided that they weren't going to participate in the walkout instead. They left the campus to visit a park on the other side of the busy highway that Surrounds part of the city He's a sixth grader Now I'm sure that nobody else would use this gun walkout just not because they wanted to protest but just to leave school But Jonathan a sixth grader Was the first one to try to cross the highway. He was struck by a truck And killed.
2: I mean, you know, the sad part of this here is that, you know, you can sit here and and walk out of school for school shootings, um, but you're much, much more likely to be killed in a fashion similar to getting struck by a truck than ever being in danger of being involved in a school shooting or a mass shooting of any sort.
1: And the great state of Texas isn't going to ban either. They're not going to ban the truck. And they're not going to ban the gun. What's really interesting is I wonder if anyone will take control of the schools and ban these stupid walkouts and make sure that when my kid is supposed to be in school, he's in school, not running across a highway. (laughs) to thank Casper Mattress for making this program possible today. This portion of the program brought to you by Casper Mattress. I have to tell you, I I miss my Casper. I'm I'm here in Los Angeles and I'm sleeping on a bed. I don't even know what it is, but uh, it's awful. It is absolutely awful. Supposed to be, you know, a great bed. It's a great place. Uh-huh. Casper Mattress. Great night's sleep. You will not toss and turn. You won't get up in the middle of the night like I did at one thirty in the morning and then just sit there and stare at the ceiling and then watch the clock tick by. Casper mattress—you'll sleep all the way through. Casper has created three unique mattresses that will help you sleep cool and comfortable year-round. See for yourself why Casper has hundreds of thousands of happy customers, just like me. Try a Casper mattress for a hundred nights in your own home, free with free shipping and returns. Go to Casper.com, use the promo code Beck, and save fifty dollars on the purchase of your select mattresses. It's Casper.com promo code Beck. Terms and conditions do apply.
0: Glenn Beck, Mercury. Glenn Beck.
1: We're just talking about um, this poor kid in El Paso that, you know, leaves school, doesn't participate in the, uh, the walkout against violence and guns, does what I think Stu did every time there was a walkout. We, we never had walkouts. We were forced to actually go to school and learn did you try to avoid um, that as much as possible? Yeah, well, yes. Uh, but, you know, when there was a walkout, uh, you know, as Stu has said many
2: times, he is, you know. I always mm. participated in the, in the cause because I was very passionate about whatever cause that was that I can't remember, nor did I know at the time. Although right. I did know that most of our walkouts did pass by McDonald's. Uh, and then I would walk in to McDonald's or maybe walk through the drive-thru and pick up a little something to support, just to support, you have you gotta have the caloric energy to support sure. whatever cause you're walking for. Sure, sure, okay. sure, sure. Did you ever join back with the group? You know, usually they pass by by then, because, you know, I mean, right. McDonald's is pretty <laughs> okay. fast. Yeah, but, well, I understand know. that.
1: No, I understand that, and you wouldn't yeah. want to spend that energy trying to catch up. And, and so, to be clear,
2: the, the route didn't go exactly by the McDonald's. So you had to branch Im- off
1: a little. Imagine you have a sixth grader. Imagine you have a sixth grader. And you've entrusted them to the school and the school has a walkout and your sixth grader is walking out, probably doesn't really have an opinion on the Second Amendment. I'm guessing not a real deep one in sixth grade. And he's uh, walking out and uh, not participating, decides to go to the park across a highway, tries to cross the highway and gets killed. How much do you sue the school for? I sue the school. For everything I can get. Even if I give all of the money away, because it's not money, I
2: sue the pants off of that school. And that, of course, does nothing to make you feel better about it uh, at that point. No, and it only
1: hurts hurts the taxpayers (laughs) and everybody else. I mean, it's a horrible solution, but somebody has to do that. Somebody has to do that. You can't have our kids walking out in the middle of the day. How do you feel? He's walking out on against violence at school kids getting killed and
2: on the walkout he gets killed right i mean re- honestly like probably one of the safest places you could be during a school day is at a school even without the seg- extra security measures we've talked about i mean there's the statistics show that that if you know if you were to leave school and and you're out driving around walking around the busy streets so you're much more likely to you know to die than you are by actually being inside the school and you know there's a there's that there's that uh you know contract right you're making with with the school when you're dropping them off uh-huh. like it's uh-huh. you know uh, an 11 year old or a 10 year old is not necessarily going to make all the best choices. That's why you have supervision so that these things don't happen. But again what, what, what if you think about it if they're if they're having a school walk out how is the school possibly going to manage where every student walks out to. No they're That's not. That's why you keep them in the building. They're not right. That's why I've entrusted you to watch my kid.
1: You're responsible to watch my kid, because you force me to put him in your school. You have the responsibility, oh no, the students and the, and the oh, you can relax, the, 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 the teachers and the administrators, they care about your child just as much as you do, really? Because I wouldn't let my kid try to cross the freeway in the middle of the day. That's what I'd do as a parent. You just let my son walk out of the classroom he was supposed to be in. As a parent, if I'm a home teacher, uh, you know, I'm not going to be, he's not going to be walking out of my kitchen as I'm doing the class at home and then say, I'm walking out, Mom, and I don't watch him as he goes to try to run across a freeway.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, a lot of a lot of teachers care a lot about students, and there's many great ones, but, you know, the idea that we hear all the time that, you know you don't you don't need to be involved you're you're your parent let us do our jobs we're the teachers we're the schools Uh, you know that's we're here for you don't need to be involved like that well apparently we do yeah it's a total
1: lie and you can you can love somebody else's kids a lot but I'm sorry they're not your kids and they you don't love them and you don't care for them the way I do that's a parent's job
0: Glenn back mercury This is the Glenn Beck program.
1: You know, I have to tell you, uh, every time I drive by Starbucks now, I can't take it. Does anybody else feel this way? I can't take it, especially when you know what happened in Philadelphia. There's two guys that walk in at Starbucks. They're both African American. They say, Hey, can we use your bathroom? They say, No, sorry. You, you, You know, there's no loitering here, and you can't use our bathroom unless you're a paying customer. So instead of saying, Okay, you know I understand. I'm not going to have one of your $23 coffees. But uh, you know, give me give me a I don't know. Give me one of those biscotti. How much are those? They're $39. Yeah, that's $39. Okay. What do you have for about a dollar and a half?
2: One of the mints from this box of mints, uh, which is
1: $47. I'll take take one of the mints, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to go to the bathroom. (laughs) That's what we all do. Sorry, bathrooms are for paying customers only. Good. Give me the cheapest thing you got, and I'll go to the bathroom. Uh, How many times I believe all of us at some point have been told, sorry, bathrooms are for, and you're like, I'm going to explode. You don't understand. I've got an issue with public restrooms. I, I hold it as long as I can. I really don't care. I'm going to explode and you're going to have some mopping up to do that. You just don't want around your customers. Let me use the bathroom. We've all been in that situation.
2: The left loves to talk about social contracts. That is legitimately part of the social contract. You walk into a place that, that they want you to buy something, you buy the cheapest thing, you use the bathroom. That's how it works.
1: Yes, yes. Or, you know, I would like to expand the the social contract to, look, I'll do the transaction in a minute. They need to look at you and say, is it an emergency? And you're like, yes. I've just been at McDonald's (laughs) and when they hear your stomach do that you're like go 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 run fast everybody clear a path to the bathroom the guy is coming through (laughs) that is a social contract that we all need anyway so Starbucks says no to these two guys so what do they do they go and they sit down and like punks They've just been told you're not, it's for paying customers. All right. So they go sit down. Police come. The police ask him to leave three times. Three times. Well, they're arrested. Now, oh, the. The head of Starbucks is just so disgusted by the company that he built. Oh, I can't believe that I've even worn a Starbucks hat and I listen to Starbucks music and I, I pay $500 for a Starbucks latte. I, I can't believe I've created this monstrosity that has made me and so many others rich and provided so much pleasure in coffee paradise. Oh, I feel so horrible now. What have I done? So he decides social justice training. And he's closing down uh, Starbucks for a whole day. Now, it happens to be the day after Memorial Day. So that's got to be a big day for Starbucks. You know what I mean? So he gives everybody a four-day weekend. Oh, that'll kill him. That'll kill him. And uh, he says he's going to... uh, He's going to have everybody come in for sensitivity training. Now,
2: Now again, there is, has been no indication and mm-hmm. not one piece of evidence at any point in this entire circus that mm-hmm. race had any factor in mm-hmm. any mm-hmm. moment of it, especially mm-hmm. from the company's perspective. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. the only thing we know is people believe that black people are treated unfairly, which, of course, they are at times. Uh, so we are just assigning a racial reason for them leaving this company has no evidence at least that we've heard not like we, we went found we went to the you know manager's facebook page and found a bunch of racist memes on there or anything like that none of that has happened but they're going to take 8,000 stores out of commission for a day to talk mm-hmm. to their employees, none mm-hmm. of which have actually been mm-hmm. accused of racism in any meaningful way with any evidence.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. we're going to just well, close down the 8,000 real quick. Well, if, if I may say, the Washington Post uh, asked the Starbucks spokesperson what its policy was for situations like this, and uh, if the, quoting Starbucks, quote, in this particular store... The guidelines were that partners must ask unpaying customers to leave the store and police to be called if they refuse. end quote, that's the Starbucks policy, according to Starbucks. <laughs> oh, what have I created? <laughs> the monster is loose.
2: And the reason so, why that particular store just because it's it's in a very busy area, right? And there's a lot mm-hmm, of traffic mm-hmm, and they don't mm-hmm. want they they don't have maybe a lot of seating, okay. Keep singing it, Whitey. (laughs) So
1: the spokesperson also said this. In this situation, the police should have never been called. Wait a minute. Hang on just a second. Wait, I just want to review the policy. Partners must ask unpaying customers to leave the store, and police are to be called if they refuse. But in this situation police should have never been called
2: why no because the answer to that is because we didn't want to deal with this fallout that's the answer because we're saying in retrospect we wish you didn't call because then i wouldn't have to be talking about this right now
1: by the way a, um, a woman in arizona a white woman went in to uh use the bathroom in a starbucks she was refused was 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 she, was, was anybody at that Starbucks in trouble? Oh, by the way, it was a pregnant woman. That falls to me into the emergency section. You know what I mean? Or I got a baby dancing on my bladder. I take both of those seriously if I'm behind the counter of the Starbucks. Because when her water breaks, it probably ain't water at that point. Let the woman use. Can we have some common sense? So that never made the news. How about this one? I love I love that nobody really paid attention to this one. Uh Dayline Philadelphia. By the way, Stu, where did this Starbucks where did this happen?
2: Uh Philadelphia. Home okay. of the Dayline... Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles. Oh dear God.
1: Uh Dayline Philadelphia. Starbucks has issued a personal apology to the Philadelphia Police Department sergeant who has refused. was refused access to a bathroom because he didn't purchase anything. The company told the website on Monday that it apologized to the offer uh, to the officer as a result of last Friday's incident at a center city location. The employees there apparently declined to allow the uniform officer into the bathroom after a brief verbal disagreement. The officer left. We're taking steps to ensure this doesn't happen in the future. This does not rese- represent the experience we hope to create for our customers. By the way, this happened months ago at the same Starbucks. Well, looks like you didn't really do anything about that. Uh, looks like that is your policy.
2: And the interesting thing, uh, apparently he was asked to leave and left. Which uh, yeah. uh, I
1: didn't. And I mean, he's the police. What are you going to do? Call me? <laughs> he call did, me. Right. These <laughs> guys are allowed
2: to run through red lights whenever they want. <laughs> <Right>. uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's yeah. that's amazing. And it, it's a great point. I mean, you know, that is the issue. It's not a news story unless you apply racism to it. And, there's and that's no- what they did. Evidence to to suggest that racism has been an issue. We've seen these before. Right, Glenn? Like there's been uh, some restaurants that, you know, you hear that the person used a racial slur or, uh, you know, the 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 classic uh, slur on the uh, receipt. Right. Where uh, that happens seemingly every once in a while. These things actually do occur. There are racist people that work at restaurants, just like there's racist people that work at every other job in the universe. But there's no reason, whoever this manager is that called, and as far as I know, we still don't know their name, thank God. Because she has been accused of the most extreme elements of racism in our society, yet no one has provided one blip of evidence to support it. And we're all just supposed to, to – I mean, an entire national chain of 8,000 restaurants is closing down for a day to tell everyone how racist apparently they are when there's no reason to, to believe that this had anything to do with racism other than no, our just – preconceived idea that black people get treated badly at restaurants.
1: No, no, no. Howard Schultz, the founder of Starbucks? No, I'm going to take it from him. Quote, I think you have to see and looking at the tape that she demonstrated her own level of unconscious bias. Looking at the tape, you have to ask yourself whether or not, in fact, that was racial profiling. Well, you probably, maybe you do have to ask yourself it'd be better to ask her. Yeah. But you have to ask yourself and if if it is if it is uh you know, a bias, racial profiling, why is why do all the eight thousand employees why does everybody else shouldn't there be you know, a training session for one? Yes. Shouldn't she be fired if she really was racially insensitive? Well why does everybody have to go through this? Why do we have to go through the racial bias training? She's the one who did it that you think she's so biased. I haven't heard anything. You'd have to say she demonstrated her own level of unconscious bias.
2: Unbelievable. That, I mean, can, can you, I tell- if I worked for Starbucks right now, oh, I would quit. Uh, I would be out I'd of there. quit. I mean, look at the way they're treating their people. Again, like if you they keep saying she has not been fired, but she no longer works at that store. If she's this blatant racist, she should be fired. If she's, she's, if she's throwing out black people because program. they're black, then absolutely fire right. her. You're right. Like it's not a it's not a witness protective uh, protection program for someone like this. If they are this terrible of a person, they should not represent yes. your company. The clear point is they don't actually believe she is a racist. Clearly, this is all about PR, and they're they're torturing this poor woman who has an, no indication that she was racist at all, and saying she has an unconscious bias. That's that's something that will follow her for the rest of her life if this actually comes out.
1: No, if I may, because I'm in California, I believe I'm an authority now (laughs) on this kind of stuff. It could follow her through her life on this timeline or (laughs) the next timeline. We don't know. She may be perfectly non-racist in this timeline. But another timeline? <laughs> oh, my gosh. She's wearing a hood behind the counter. That joke's funnier if you were listening to us about 45 minutes
2: ago. <laughs> oh, no, <It's>, uh...
1: <laughs> All right. Every business needs great people, and the gr- the best way to find them, something better than just posting your job online and praying for the right people to see it, is ZipRecruiter. It's a smarter way. ZipRecruiter built a platform that finds the right job candidate for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies the people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, 80% of employees who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in the first day. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. It even spotlights the strongest applications you receive so you never miss the right match. Try it out for free now at ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. That's how you get it for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. Find your next great hire at ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck.
0: Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck
1: from Los Angeles, California. Welcome to the program. I'm glad you're here. There's a just a couple of California notes. I went to church here yesterday, uh, which is uh, hard to hard hard to find. But uh, went to church yesterday. There were about I don't know eight people there. Uh, the kids were. Uh, well, they were playing out in the foyer, and uh, somebody from the pulpit had to say, Hey, uh, kids, we're going to talk about kids now. <laughs> Come on. It, it was like the strangest thing. Uh, I don't think God's doing well in California, Stu. Not sure if he's really doing well.
2: Well, they they have uh, uh, very weak border laws, except when it comes to God, they make sure they keep him out. Yeah, they make sure. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you're they're policing
1: that. They are policing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me ask you this. What would God be saying to you, or what would your reaction be uh, to this story? A Colorado man achieved a distinction last week that few people would probably want to match. Dylan McWilliams, bitten by a shark on Thursday in Hawaii. Okay, well, that's
2: kind of that's, 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 that's kind not something of bad. you'd
1: want. Right. He's he's 20 years old. He spends a lot of time outdoors. Uh, And uh, he was, um, you know, 50 yards from a shipwreck. When a shark came and uh, bit him, he said he got away from the shark and he swam back. It required seven stitches. So it's not so huge, but it's, you know, seven stitches. Now, that's not the unusual part. The unusual part is last July, he had to have nine staples to his head Because a 300-pound bear tried to eat his head while he was camping in the mountains. Okay, so he's been bitten by a bear and a shark. Yeah, well, there was also another encounter that happened the year before when he was camping out in the deserts of Utah where he was bitten by a rattlesnake. (laughs) So he's been bitten by a rattlesnake, a bear, and a shark. Dude, God's telling you something. And it, 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 I don't know if it's like, you're not supposed to be alive, or stay inside, dude. Stay inside. Get a dog,
2: a little dog, maybe a goldfish. Yeah, you should turn into stay Howard. Inside. Turn into Howard Hughes immediately. Like never leave no, a, seriously. Your, your indoor movie theater, pee in your in the room yeah. and, and give the bottles out to some helper.
1: Yeah. No, I'm no can, can I tell you something? I'm always looking for an excuse to stay inside. I mean mosquitoes. I'm like I was bitten by a mosquito. I don't require any stitches, but I'm not going outside anymore. <laughs> This guy, if, you, if I'm bitten by a rattlesnake, I'm having a hard time going outside, but I go outside. A bear, the next time a bear tries to eat me, I'm not going into the water, okay? I'm not going into the water.
2: Certainly not camping. I, I, if you remember the the uh, fine series of documentary films, Final Destination, uh, that came out a few years uh, ago? I don't uh, think that was a documentary. That yet. was the thing where they would escape an incident, and then like they would be yeah, yeah. destined for death for the rest of the yeah. movie. Uh, yeah. This guy might be in one of those I mean if you've been admitted by a rattlesnake A bear and go a shark
1: one, Honestly you're going to go one of two ways You're going to be like I'm supposed to be dead Or you're like I'm invincible <laughs> man I can do anything
0: Glenn Back Mercury Love Courage truth. Glenn
1: Beck. Well, the editors of GQ magazine want you to know that they are very, very important. And next time you're tweezing your eyebrows before you get an avocado facial and a shopping spree at the mall, you should read a book, but not any book. No, no. GQ wants you to know some books you should not read. For instance, don't read Mark Twain or Ernest Hemingway or J.D. Salinger. Don't. Don't read Catch-22, don't read Dracula, and certainly do not pick up The Lord of the Rings. Also, Lonesome Dove. Now, Lonesome Dove, one of the most poignant, inspiring depictions of life in the wild American West, definitely don't read it. The editors at GQ consider it part of the cowboy mythos with its rigid masculine emotional landscape, glorification of guns and destruction, and uh, misogynic gender roles, it's a factor in the destruction of America. Lonesome Dove is really just thought it was a good book. All of these masterpieces are part of GQ's recent uh, list: twenty-five, uh, sorry, twenty-one books you don't have to read. It's not an editorial. It's a listicle by the editors of GQ, a list that uh, of books that should be digitally burned. At number twelve, the Bible. Here's GQ's read on the Bible. The Holy Bible is rated very highly by all the people who supposedly live by it, but who have in actuality not read it. Actually I think that's probably pretty right, but I digress. Those who have read it know there are some good parts, but overall, certainly not the finest thing man has ever produced. Oh, okay. All right. It's repetitive. It's, uh, it's sometimes ill-intentioned. It's foolish. Uh, if the thing you heard uh, was good about the Bible was the nasty bits, then I propose Christoph's The Notebook. The marvelous tale of two brothers who have to get along when things get rough. The subtlety and the cruelty of the story is like that famous sword stroke that plunged upward through the bowels, the lungs, and the throat, and into the brain of the rower. Oh, Okay, I don't even know that. Uh, uh, By the way, the notebook is a novel. I mean, I know the movie and I thought I was a little sappy, but this is a novel about a group of actors who travel through Europe after the completion of their most recent play. It is delightful. And the part where the novel's main characters, two twin boys, are forced to move in with their grandmother, it's that part is certainly has the cultural gravity and historic importance, the same as the crucifixion of Christ, or, or the coming down of the Ten Commandments, or the creation of language, or the formation of life. Oh, you should see what happens with a grandmother. It's outrageous. If anything, this list serves as a verification of the best writing available. Mark Twain's Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. A Hemingway's best works, The Old Man and the Sea and A Farewell to Arms. Cormac McCarthy, one of the greatest writers of all time. Blood Meridian's not supposed to be read. A terrifying Western and and historical document, which also happens, strangely, to base a lot of its story on the Bible. Kind of like Shakespeare does, too. In fact, it's hard to imagine any Western literature without the Bible. We are in this weird space where we are supposed to just deny everything. Everything is new. It's a totally new reality. And whatever you thought reality was, that's definitely not real. We'll tell you what's real. We'll tell you what's right. Just don't read any of these other things. I mean, if that's not fascistic... I don't know what is.
0: It's Monday, April 23rd. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program.
1: Joined by Ben Shapiro, who is the uh, editor-in-chief of of The Daily Wire, also the uh, most listened-to conservative podcast in the world. Welcome, Ben Shapiro. How are you? Good to see you. So, what books would you like to ban today?
3: Wow, I mean, after that list, I don't know what's yeah. left. Yeah, I know. I mean, I got to go with the children's books since I'm how stuck do, reading those in the middle of the night. So,
1: how do you? How, yeah, you go to these college campuses all the time, and you speak. And w- when I went to college, which was I spent more time in the parking lot than in an actual classroom, <laughs> but uh, w- you were taught um, how to think. How to find uh, answers? I mean, I was—I the professor that I uh, learned so much from. I had no idea where he stood on any issue because he would argue so hard on one side mm-hmm. and then flip it around and argue on the other side, and you believed both of them. Mm-hmm. Nobody's doing that anymore. In fact, that's frowned upon.
3: Yeah, that, that's usually reserved for law school. I mean, really, like when, when you go to law school, that's what they say they're going to teach you how to think like a lawyer. But w- when you're in, when you're in uh, undergrad, they, they don't bother with that anymore. They, they're teaching you how to think, but it's how they want you to think. So they're teaching you what to think more than how to think. Um, so w- w- what are you seeing when you go to college campuses? I think there's a real pent-up energy. I think there's a lot of pent-up anger because I think people there are, are largely bored. I mean, th- I think there's a reason that people show up on a Wednesday night to hear me talk in the middle of the week, you know, in the middle of the brutal cold and a thousand people show up. And I don't think it's because I'm that great a speaker. I mean, I'm fine, but I really think yeah. that it has more to do with the fact that there is some hole that's being left intellectually on these campuses. And anyone who even attempts to fill that hole on campuses is being treated with a certain amount of, of excitement and reverence simply because the colleges have left the field wide open. I mean, you don't even have to be that good at this stuff in order to be seen as somebody who has something valuable to say, I think.
1: You're pretty good at
3: this stuff. Well, I mean, you're allowed to say it. Yeah, I'm not. But. <laughs> yeah,
1: you're pretty good at this stuff. You and Jordan Peterson are probably the best thinkers,
3: I think, on the right well, right thanks. I, that's that's high compliment because Jordan's yeah. fantastic. So.
1: Yeah, Jordan is Jordan is amazing, and he's having the same kind of success that you are. Where he's he, and,
3: and he's a guy who wasn't looking for it. Right, right. Well, I think that that's that's one of the things. It's, it's really fascinating. There's this whole group of people who have really kind of come to prominence in the last three four years, and they are really disparate politically. I mean, you're talking about people like Jordan Peterson or Sam Harris or Brett Weinstein. Uh, or me and all these people disagree with each other on a huge variety of matters but there's two things they seem to have in common one is that they actually purport to care about data and they won't just dismiss data if it disagrees with their position and the other is that they seem to be willing to say no to things Uh, and there's something that, that I've started terming the Bartleby effect uh, which is there there's this short story by Herman Melville called uh, Bartleby, the Scrivener. Where I'm not
1: sure if that's on the list approved list. From uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure either. Yeah, but okay.
3: <laughs> but yeah. the, uh, but the short story is about this guy who is a, he's a a scribe at a Wall Street law firm. And one day his bosses come in and they ask him to do something he just as I'd prefer not to. And they don't know what to do with him because he's not actively saying no, but he's not saying yes. So they, he just says I'd prefer not to. And they leave him alone. And eventually, after saying, I would prefer not to to everything, he ends up dying basically alone in prison. Um, mm. but, the pur- but the purpose of the story is to say that society cannot tolerate people who refuse to kind of go along to get along. Well, that's true. But if you look at all the people who have risen to prominence, people like Jordan, Jordan rose to prominence not based on his latest book, which is actually a pretty late development. He rose to prominence because in Canada, there's Bill C-16, which essentially mandated that you use transgender pronouns. And Jordan, a couple of years ago, said, I'm not doing that. That doesn't accord with the realities of of psychological development, so I'm just not going to do that. And people lost their minds, and suddenly he was this major figure in Canada for just saying no. Sam Harris has become a major figure because he was on Bill Maher's show, and he said, Islam might be a more dangerous religion as a general matter than Christianity, because the facts bear out that there are more violent Muslims worldwide than violent Christians. And he was run out on rail by the left, but suddenly he had this new following of people who were saying, listen, this guy's willing to undergo a certain amount of pressure in order to say what he wants to say. For Brett Weinstein, it was the same thing at Evergreen State College. So saying no, I think, gives a lot of college students a feeling like if you're willing to say no and take a risk to say no, then you must have some sort of rooted eternal values to which you are subject. And this means that you have some sort of gloss on life that's more than my professors are saying is possible out there. It's
1: not, But it's not just saying no it's saying no because of of logic and reason you know every that's that's why everybody is famous now of saying no well no i'm not male or female right (laughs) you know what i mean that's that's not the same and it's and we are dis we are have disconnected from all logic all reason all science yes and and just and because everybody's just saying, No, well I don't I don't have to take that. I have different facts.
3: It's a really fascinating development to watch as all these people on the left who proclaim that they were so pro science are throwing people out of the ranks. Like I don't know if you saw this conversation between Sam Harris and Ezra Klein. Sam Harris is on the left. I mean, Sam is a real Democrat. And Ezra Klein went on his show and called Sam Harris a racist because Sam Harris looked at actual data about IQ differentiation among groups. He actually read Charles Murray's book and had mm-hmm. Charles Murray on his program mm-hmm. and said, listen, Charles Murray's not attributing all of this to biology, but there's some pretty you know, there's some pretty clear evidence that there's at least a biological component to IQ. And Ezra Klein went on Sam Harris's show and without any data at all called him a racist. That's because there's this new fangled philosophy that says that all relative, uh, all, all reality is subjective. All reality is what you feel about the reality. And so science is not subjective. Science is what science is. And that means scientists are, are surprised when they find themselves out on their ear for the first time. Well, I don't
1: think people really took postmodernism seriously. Yeah. You know, and that's what yep. we are living in the postmodern world. And if you don't know what postmodernism is, modern, the modern lifestyle is... The Age of Reason, the, the Enlightenment, the idea that we take science and facts and we look at all of it, that was modern thinking. We've now thrown that away. We are post-modernism, and instead of now being ruled by a church, we're ruled by some other religious doctrine. I just yes. don't
3: know what it is, but it is a religious, it's dogma. So I'm, I'm writing a book about this right now, and I actually think that what, what has happened here is the culmination of Essentially, a three hundred year process. Where what what originally happened was there was postmodernism is the rejection of values on behalf of the subjective. So where it makes a certain amount of sense, where people logically resonate to postmodernism is they say that postmodernism applies when it comes to morality. That your morality is not objective right, that we all have our our morality, that really life is a series of power political struggles, and what you say is morality, you're only saying that because it benefits you to say that that's morality, and so a lot of people buy into that. Well, that, though, was an outgrowth of the rejection of postmodern, postmodern value rejection was an outgrowth of the rejection of religion, because the idea was if there's no objective religion out there, then what defines values in here? And so people said, okay, fine. Well, we can deal with the postmodern values struggle because we'll make our own values. We'll make our own value systems. But they forgot that science is a value. Reason is a value. Rationality is a value. And so a lot of the folks who were very reasonable and were very interested in reason, Enlightenment thinkers, were some of the biggest people promoting postmodern values, and then they were surprised when the, when the Frankenstein monster turned on its master. All of a sudden, all these people who were promoting postmodern values said, well, science is a value too, so why exactly should we take science seriously? Mm-hmm. Right, if, if, if you're saying that reason and rationality, these are the highest values, but you're only saying that because you're a reasonable, rational, intelligent person, you're only saying that because you're high IQ, you're only saying that because you benefit from the scientific consensus. Like there are papers that are now being written on the postmodern left saying things like science is a creation of the white male heterosexual oh, patriarchy. Yeah. I mean, there was this, this fascinating thing. I talked to Jordan about this the other day. It's this, this Google memo that came out mm-hmm. uh, from, uh, th- that was revealed in the James Damore lawsuit against Google where they put out a paper saying white values versus non-white values. And among white values were things like rationality or things like winning and losing or things like scientific progress. Like, these things were actually listed as white views of the universe as opposed to objective views of the universe. I mean, what I said about it on my show is that if Google lived by the by the values that it purports to hate, it would be out of business in five minutes, mm-hmm. obviously. right? Google bases mm-hmm. its own, own business on all of these values that it purports to think are white, heterosexual, patriarchal mm-hmm. norms. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the value system that has built the West, and we're rejecting that now because we've gone so down, uh, because we thought that we could separate religion from science and that that break could be clean. And instead it turns out that by rejecting religion, by rejecting the idea that there's an objective truth about morality in the world, we're also going to reject the idea of objective truths generally. And you see some people struggling to put that, uh, some people struggling to put that back together. I'm struggling to put that back together. I think Jordan's struggling to put that back together. I think there are certain people like Steven Pinker uh, or like Sam, who are, Sam Harris, who, who are trying to keep the religion out of it and trying to restore the enlightenment vision of science, but I'm I'm not sure how you can do that. I'm not sure how you can remove the base of the science. Like science was not, there's this weird idea. uh, You were saying this earlier, you know, there's this weird idea that history began today. Well, a lot of enlightenment advocates think that history began in 1750. That like that's when history began, and mm-hmm. that there's no history to science, that science started in seventeen fifty, that good thought began in seventeen fifty. There is a rooted philosophy of the West that goes all the way back to Sinai and that carries forward through the Sermon on the Mount and then all the way forward there's, there's, through Locke.
1: There is no way you can understand the West without understanding the Bible. You don't have to believe right. you don't have to believe in the angels and the magic tricks and the fire right. and the all of that. You don't have to. But you do have to read it and go, what is this trying to teach, and how did this form what we have? Exactly. And everybody's trying to throw that out. Without that, you've completely taken all of the cornerstones out. You've taken the cornerstone and all of the foundation of
3: the house out. You've got nothing left. This is right. I think, and I think the history of this 19th and 20th centuries are, are enough to prove this. I mean, mass chaos and, and the bloody slaughter of an enormous portion of the globe on the basis of rationality should be enough to show you that rationality unmoored to some sort of higher value system is pretty dangerous stuff. Back with Ben Shapiro in a minute. I want to thank uh, Lifelock
1: for making this portion of the program possible uh, how much is your identity worth a ton according to an online security education company the going rate for an internet user's identity is about 1200 bucks to hackers on the uh, dark web dark web is a system that can be you know linked to an online auction site or classified ads but it's where criminals shop for illegal products services and information like your identity There's a ton of threats out there in today's connected world. It takes one week link and you're toast. Good thing that new LifeLock Identity Theft Protection is adding the power of Norton Security. It'll help protect you against the threats to your identity and to your devices that you can't easily see or fix on your own. And if you have a problem, they have the agents who will work to fix it. Now, nobody can stop all all cyber threats, prevent all identity theft, or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But the new LifeLock with Norton Security is able to uncover the threats that you might otherwise miss. So go to LifeLock.com or call 800-LIFELOCK. That's 800 Lifelock. Use the promo code Beck. Get an additional 10% off. It's 10% off at lifelock.com. Promo code Beck.
0: Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck.
1: Welcome back to the program. Joining us, Ben Shapiro.
2: Ben uh, I hope uh, Ben is uh, under he understands what's happening uh, in DC with a very uh, a very interested guy uh, in the DC city Council if you remember he his name is uh, let's see Trey, Treyon White and he uh, initially had talked about the big conspiracy that a lot of people are not discussing about how Jews are controlling <laughs> the weather. Damn you. Uh,
1: and I, Notice you know. Ben lives out here in Los Angeles oh, and yeah. it's beautiful all the time. <laughs>
2: it is. Coincidence? I don't think so. <laughs> Do we have the initial clip of, of him driving in his car, uh, watching uh, like three snowflakes falling and blaming man, it on the It juice? just started
0: snowing out of nowhere this morning, man. Out of nowhere. Y'all better pay attention to this climate control, man. Uh, this climate
3: manipulation. And DC manipulation. keep talking about we're a resilient city. And that's a model based off the Rothschilds controlling the climate. Uh. free natural disasters, they can pay for it and own the cities man, be careful.
1: Wow! And so should, the Rothschilds how how deeply connected to the Rothschilds I mean, are you?
3: We, we really don't talk about this except in okay. our Friday night meetings. Okay, right? we, we yeah. really try to keep this under yeah, wraps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I will say the last time I traveled to Atlanta, I brought a tornado with me, and then that big snowstorm in D.C. was the next day because I traveled to D.C. Holy so cow! He's I'm admitted not say. it.
1: There it is. He's admitted it. Now there's an update to this story. I don't know if you know, Ben. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty exciting. Uh, uh, um, yeah, uh, I guess
2: uh, he was doing a tour to uh, a little penance for his pre- previous comments, and he went to the. Holocaust Museum. And you know this is gonna turn Ooh, oh out good. well, obviously. Yeah.
3: There's a sitcom here. <laughs> yeah. uh, so He, he did exi-
1: not
2: find the weather machine. No. He did <laughs> not. not find it there. He but. did examine a picture of a girl walking through a crowd surrounded by German soldiers, and, and the girl was wearing a sign. The sign said, I am a German girl and allowed myself to be defiled by a Jew. White, uh this councilman, then asked the tour guide. Are they protecting her? Meaning, are the Germans, Nazi soldiers protecting this girl? <laughs> no, the guide said. They're marching her through. Marching through is protecting, White oh. responded. Uh, oh of course, they, the guide pointed out that they thought that maybe they were humiliating her. Now, White then decided halfway through the tour to just bolt. He just leaves the tour and goes outside and waits outside on the street once he leaves, a member of his staff suggests that a picture of the Warsaw Ghetto resembles a quote gated community. Uh, the rabbi doing the tour points out, "Yeah, I wouldn't call it a gated community; more like a prison." So it's yeah. not going well for this particular. So gentleman. I want to get uh,
1: I want to get Ben's uh, view as one of the most hated Jews in America, perhaps <laughs> the world. I'd uh, uh, like to I get remember. his. Uh, like to get his view on this gated community and what i think was probably a condominium complex of auschwitz uh when we when we come back
0: glenn beck mercury This is the Glenn Beck Program.
1: So back with uh, Ben Shapiro, uh, who has been following uh, Kanye West and Shania Twain for some strange reason.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're both in the news. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so Kanye came out with a bunch of kind of... Bizarrely conservative tweets. He tweeted his support for Candace Owens Mm -hmm. the other day, uh, who's a a compatriot of Charlie Kirk over Turning Point USA and black woman who's a supporter of Trump. And then he tweeted also something about how self-victimization is a disease. And all these conservatives were like, oh, my God. Kanye's on our side, man. Kanye's I don't here. Know if play one Kanye on our side. So, this is kind of my take. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, they, <laughs> right, do we remember who Kanye is? It's so it's so amazing that we on the right have this scorn for people on the left because we're like, "Oh, look how they worship celebrity." Look how they worship yeah. celebrity. Well, first of all, Donald Trump is the president of the United States now. Right. Also, Kanye West is a The only reason Carol Kanye West thinks, and he's not just muttering to himself on a corner somewhere, is because he's a big celebrity. And this, this bizarre notion that somebody whom the cameras have focused in on has been conferred with a greater than average wisdom <laughs> is the stupidest thing I have ever heard. As someone who grew up in Hollywood and who knows a lot of people the cameras have focused in on, let me just say, the folks in the music industry, the folks in Hollywood, they don't know. Anything. I mean, like, there there are a few writers oh. who, are, who are somewhat smart, but are you, you're talking about, like, these musicians? Or you're talking about, no, you're talking about come the on. actors?
1: Ben, I don't believe that at all. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> They're dolts. Right. A lot of them are just dolts. A lot, I think there are a lot of people in powerful or public positions that are as dumb as the uh, city councilman oh, yeah. in Washington, D.C. No question. Have no idea. Never
3: read a book. Don't know history. Have no idea what they're talking I about. I mean, the, Keith Ellison was almost the head of the DNC, and I'm not sure he's wildly smarter than Treyon White. I mean, they, they both gave money, apparently, to the same Nation of Islam event. So it's it's one of the great disappointments of life, as Adam Carolla once said, is, is that when you're a kid, you look around, you look at the adults, and you see they all have houses, and they have cars, and they have nice stuff, and they can do what they want at night, and it looks great. And you figure, they must be so smart. I mean, they've got all these nice things. They've got, like, houses mm-hmm. and cars. And then you grow up and you realize all the same people who were stupid when you were kids are still stupid when you're adults. And so that means that they all have houses and cars, too. And that's... Not... <laughs> and the same thing is true for Kanye. This is a guy who Josh Groban did one of the great routines ever. If you haven't seen it, go to YouTube and look it up. It's so funny. It's him singing the tweets of Kanye West. And it's him singing things like, Fur pillows are hard to sleep on <laughs> and it's and it, how he wants a giant fish tank he's looking for a giant antique fish tank the same guy who's tweeting about how he needs a giant antique fish tank is the same guy tweeting deep thoughts about self-realization and we're like yeah man because we're so hungry for any sort of legitimacy on the right we are so hungry for anyone who's famous to say that we're not the worst people in the world and we're not crazy and particularly if that person happens to be a minority like kanye that we are willing to just glom on to anything it is an amazing thing we should be so how does this
1: fare? how do do we fare? how do we how do we get
3: through this um do we (laughs) do we really i i i I don't know i mean i I think that again we've lost so much of the idea that what validates us is the community we live in or the god to whom we are subject and instead what validates us is a famous person saying something that makes us feel good about ourselves and that's that's not a that's not a very so i have to tell you i am
1: uh I am. I, 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 I drove to the studios today. We're in Los Angeles. I drove to the studios today, and I, I turn on the radio, and I heard a, a doctor talking about how uh, she's doing uh, regression therapy, uh, but not just for this timeline, but all of your alternative timelines. Whoa. Yeah. So, I don't know if she uses the flux capacitor to do that. I don't know how that works, but I heard that and I'm I, 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 at the top of my lungs alone in the car today. I, how does anybody live here? <laughs> how do you live here? Is there's it's this weird thing that um, there is this little group of it it's but it's,
3: but it's pretty it's, live it's other, pretty live intellectually, right? I mean, it's it's Peter Thiel just moved down here uh, from from San Jose. Uh, Jordan Peterson is out here a lot uh, Dave Rubin is out here uh, Dennis Prager is out here the Claremont Institute is out here there, there, there's there's a lot out here actually and I think one of the reasons is because when you're constantly balancing off the crazy of the other side yeah. it is intellectually stimulating I mean you actually had to hear about that crazy regression thing, and now you can use it on the air, right? yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, if you were back yeah. home right now, yeah, you'd be, no, they'd be, be talking f- about like normal stuff right. on the radio. Yeah, I assume, I right?
1: Well, no, I wouldn't be talking about normal stuff, but I wouldn't be talking about Texas. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know what no, I mean? That's what I mean. Like the I stuff be, that, ta- If yeah. you are
3: tuning into the radio on your way into the station, yeah. they wouldn't be talking about regression therapy. But, no. the, but And the thing is that all of the crazy that's happening in L.A., all the crazy that's happening in San Francisco, there are roots to that, too. So we on the right tend to think of that as being just the latest craze, the latest fad but there's some pretty pagan roots to all of this and i think that what's really going on right now is a battle between judeo-christian monotheism and a reversion to a certain level of paganism because that's Big just time. witchcraft right i mean w- w- yeah, regression therapy for alternative timelines yeah that's just witchcraft kind yeah. of stuff i mean this is this is like i'm not saying we should burn you or anything but i am, <laughs> <laughs> but i am saying that it you, is. you guaranteeing me that you're going to make my life better by talking about a life that i have never lived yeah. is a form of you trying to guarantee a level of control in the universe to human beings that human beings simply do not have yeah. over the universe, and that we can't exercise over the universe. I wrote
1: a um, I wrote a book, uh, a novel of I don't know eight years ago or so called "The Eye of Moloch," mm-hmm. and it's it's biblical in its nature because I if you if you look at um, uh, if you look at how people were worshiping. Uh, and and who Moloch is, mm-hmm. he he wants you to have, you know, orgies, crazy sex, do whatever you want, yep. destroy everything, and then sacrifice the baby of
3: of that union. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we're we're worshiping Moloch. We just don't know it. I think that's right. It, it, it's it's under the guise of pantheism, which sounds a whole lot nicer. And it's also being concealed by the fact that we are still living in the you know, your car runs out of gas and you're running on the fumes. We're still living on the fumes of the Judeo-Christian yes. value system. So all the same people in Hollywood who are promoting this these sorts of values, the same people who will use that regression technique, yeah. most of them are married, most of them have kids, most of them still have not been divorced. Right? The fact is that we we see the high profile divorces in Hollywood, but the truth is most of the people who live in Hollywood are fairly normal human beings, or at least they live fairly normal lifestyles. This is Charles Murray's point in in coming apart, right? He says that upper-class white folks who live on the coast and are the quote-unquote thought leaders about yeah. single motherhood. Yeah. They don't live those lifestyles. They're not right. single mothers. They're not living impoverished lifestyles. They're they're basically doing what everybody else does with maybe the exception of going to church. And so they are living off the fumes of this Judeo-Christian history, but they are promoting this new lifestyle to a bunch of people who are being suckered by it because they think, oh, this, this is what the successful people do. What the successful people do is they all are members of sex cults. And out here in L.A., that's, that's really not what's going on. There's, there's what they, the, the face they put forward to the world is that you know, everyone is depraved and everybody, because we're all experimenting and this is our thing. But the truth is that all of the pe- I find it a high point of amusement that all of the people who are so open about their promiscuity, you know, these starlets who are so open about their mm-hmm. promiscuity when they're 17, 18 years old, by the time they're 30, they're settling down, they're married, they have kids. Right? They're, they're living the same lifestyle as somebody who's living out in Oklahoma or Texas. Mm-hmm. They just won't tell you that. The stuff that the media want to focus on, the stuff they want you to focus on, is the sexy stuff. The stuff when they're 19, they're dancing naked with members of the same sex. That's the stuff. But by the time they're 30, I mean, look look at Miley Cyrus's new videos. And they basically look like Shania Twain videos, right? I mean, all of a sudden, she's doing like videos on the beach with her boyfriend. It looks like they're going to settle down. It looks like they're going to have kids. Because it turns out that the human drive for solidity and the human drive for some sort of value system is stronger even than the human drive for, for, for depravity. Or at least it is when you realize that you're going to die at some point and the gravity yeah. is going to catch up with you. Yeah,
1: talk, talk to me about Shania Twain, your opinion on... Shania Twain, um, a Canadian, mm-hmm. uh, asked who she would have voted for, so she couldn't vote. What right. a ridiculous question to even ask her. She shouldn't have answered the question, but the way she answered the question was, based on the values of the people who
3: voted for him, which is her audience, Right. I would say I probably would have voted for Donald Trump. And now she's apologized in a long Twitter storm apology about how you know I still I'm not a racist I'm not a sexist I don't believe in a lot of the same things that that President Trump does I was just trying to answer the question but really I shouldn't have spoken out It's like really first of all this may be the most Canadian thing ever like speaking out about an election that you couldn't take part and then apologizing for a vote you could never have cast That's pretty Canadian Michael Michael uh, Buble I'm in New York uh,
1: and I'm walk into a hotel lobby. Michael is is there and he sees me and he calls across the lobby. It's like one o'clock in the morning. He's like, Glenn! And I turn around, I, I walk up and he said, I want you to know, I was just in a fist fight over you. And I said, What? And he said, I was at a hockey game someplace in Canada and somebody said, I can't believe that you're friends with Glenn Beck and you go on the air with Glenn Beck. And he's like, Dude, he's a nice guy with his politics. We're Canadian. Why do you care about his <laughs> politics? And he said he actually the guy threw blues, uh, blows that he they were
3: they were thrown punches. First of all, I want to see Michael Bublé in a fight. I mean, they're just they're, oh, I think I bet, sounds, he's, I'll bet he's, I'll bet he's I bet he's good, shockingly good. Yeah, I That's, bet he's better. This is he Just loosens yeah, yeah. the The only time he loosens uh, the yeah, tie yeah. completely.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: And he takes off the yeah. skinny tie. He unbuttons that top button. Just goes to work. R- yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. I think that it, it is it is incredible the level of intellectual bullying to which people are being subjected at this point. Where you even say. You voted for Trump or you say, hey, I support some of the things Trump is doing. The, the, the fact that so many people, th- this goes to my generalized theory of the media. Everybody is seeing, we, we live, so to go back to scientific models, we live in a pre-Copernican era as far as the media are concerned. They think that the world revolves around Donald Trump, right? Donald Trump is the center of the universe and everything revolves around Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. This is a lie. The world revolves around the media, right? The media have decided that Donald Trump is the sun in this universe, but the sun in the universe are the media. And that's why Donald Trump is president right now is because the media cares so much about Donald Trump. So the fact that people are even asking Shania Twain about Donald Trump is because the media cares so yes. much about Trump. It's not Trump who's asking Shania Twain about Trump. It's the media asking Shania Twain about Trump because Trump is the only thing that matters in the universe. Because to the media, he is the only thing that matters. In How the long universe. do you think the media has? I mean, Bill O'Reilly has said to me, media is
1: on its last legs.
3: You know, I, I think that they, they still have so much power, especially through the reinstitution of gatekeeping and the social media, Yes. that I, I, I'm more skeptical than that. I remember after 2004, after Bush won re-election, the, the line from the right was, well, the old media is dead, right? We just defeated the old media. If the old media yeah, had its way, John Kerry would have been re-elected. That was 14 years ago, and they're still they're still going, and they're still having a pretty so major So how do, impact. with
1: the new gatekeeping, um, I talked to, you know what Edwin Black is? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, it's, it had Edmund Black on last week. Fascinating. You, you need to talk to him about his uh, theory of uh, anal, uh, analytical uh, ghettos, algorithmic, mm-hmm. ghettos. Uh, or no, sorry, algorithmic ghettos. Uh, and he said we're all being we're all being put into a ghetto, uh, and it's just an algorithm that's doing it this time. But the walls are being built. Yeah. How do how do businesses like the Daily Wire, the Blaze, Your Voice, My Voice? How do we stay on the on the other side of the wall.
3: So I think that it's really a matter of, there are going to have to be new neutral platforms that, that are built. Uh, and I think people will find them. So the fact that my podcast is so popular is not because iTunes favors my podcast, right? It's because people can go to a variety of different podcasting sources mm-hmm. and, and seek it out, which is what they've done, right? It was really more organic than anything else. So I think people, people still want to hear differing perspectives. If they try to in- reinstall the gates, I think they're going to they're find there are a lot of people who want to tear, tear those walls down again. Um, and it's going to take a while. It's going to take a while for that to happen because, again, it took Facebook 10 years to, to build this sort of dominance, 15 years to build this sort of dominance. But I, I think that they are fighting a, a losing battle, but it's going yeah. to take a little more time than I think people yeah. think it's going to take.
1: Ben Shapiro from The uh, Daily Wire and The Ben Shapiro Show. Uh, you can watch him online at The Daily Wire. You can also get his podcast at iTunes, wherever else you you go to find your podcast ben, mm-hmm. thank you so much Hey, thanks a lot appreciate it uh, Ben's gonna be joining us I believe uh, today you coming on the yep. show today for TV we're gonna spend a, an hour and talk a little bit uh, about uh, Los Angeles and what's happening here and the uh, the different the thinking that you don't hear about in Los Angeles Uh, Nobody's paying attention to it, but there is something happening here. We'll talk a little bit more about that tonight on The Blaze at 5 o'clock. I want to thank American Finance for making this portion of the program possible. If you want to refinance your mortgage, but you don't want to start a 30-year loan again, American Financing can help you. When you are refinancing to eliminate mortgage insurance or lower your rate or consolidate your high interest debt, you don't have to worry about resetting your loan because at American Financing, they offer 9, 13, or 18-year loans, any term that you need. It's a custom loan because they work for you. They don't work for the bank. They're going to find the most competitive and interest rate. It's your mortgage your way. Plus with a fixed rate no matter where the interest rates go yours stays the same. Monthly payments don't increase. It just takes a call to their salary based mortgage consultants and they'll guide you through the options and they'll customize the right program to achieve your financial goals. You can get closed in as fast as 10 days with American Financing. That's American Financing at 800-906-2440 800-906-2440 or online at AmericanFinancing.com Dot net. American Financing Corporation, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org.
0: Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck
2: uh-huh. Uh, Gun Ben don't. Shapiro
1: is. Hang on just a second. Ben Shapiro was uh, with us today. He'll be with us tonight. I also want to talk to him about uh, the the media shelters from the storm. They're all calling, uh, you know, Fox News and and Breitbart and every everybody else. Anybody who defends Donald Trump is a shelter from the storm. You will not believe this CNN piece where they don't see that that's what they were doing with Obama. So bizarre. Uh, We'll talk about that uh, coming up in a little while, also with uh, Ben Shapiro. And Jonah Goldberg joins me in this hour tomorrow. His new book is out called Suicide of the West. It's fantastic. It's a little like what Ben and I were talking about about a half hour ago you know what is really dismantling all of this jonah goldberg tomorrow at this time on radio
2: building off a point that ben just made about how trump is the center of the media universe uh, there's a story in the atlantic which is pretty amazing talking about how it may you know the problem might just be the presidency as a whole talking about how in 1955 a number of strong hurricanes battered the united states eisenhower was barely mentioned in the newspaper stories about the hurricanes The hurricane season was then the costliest on record, but there are no pictures of the former Allied commander pointing at maps or receiving furrowed brow briefings from meteorologists. When the storms hit, Ike was on vacation. His absence was not the subject of endless concerned punditry as it would be today. Mm. Eisenhower wasn't callous. Local government, civil defense forces, and the Red Cross were supposed to sack the sandbags and distribute relief when the storm hit, upsetting that division of duties the president believed would jeopardize core American values. I regard this as one of the great uh, real disasters that threatens to engulf us when we are unready as a nation, as a people, to meet personal disaster by our own cheerful giving. Wow. I mean, what a different world that wow. is. But the right you know world,
1: that, right? Yeah. If we can get back into that after the top of the hour, because that that goes to, I believe, the Ninth and 10th Amendment that people really need to understand. It's our problem right now.
0: Glenn back. Mercury. Love. Courage. Courage. Truth. Truth. Glenn
1: Beck. Wow, I don't know if you've noticed this yet, but have you noticed how social media brings out the very best in our moral superiority? I mean, it's really... We're never so sure of anything as we are when we're taking somebody out. Most of the time, somebody that we have absolutely no idea who they are personally, Uh, but when we can take them out with a precision bomb of a tweet or reply, letting them know you're a total and complete scumbag because you have an opinion that's different than mine, Uh, when you can do that, and uh, I mean, I got to tell you, it just feels so good, doesn't it? Yes, it's it's social media. So potential ridicule comes, you know, with the territory. If you're going to post something, uh, just ask CBS Sports commentator Jay Feely on Saturday. Feely, the former NFL kicker, tweeted a photo between himself uh, of himself standing between his daughter and her prom date. Now, Feely, now look out! I'm just this. Uh, I don't mean to be cute here, but this is a trigger. Uh, I a trigger warning here. I right? please. It's going to become a very unsafe space. Feely is holding a handgun. There, I said it. Okay? He's pointing it downward, not at anybody, and his finger is not on the trigger. But still, it's very upsetting if you had to see this. His tweet says, Wishing my beautiful daughter and her date a great time at prom. I love this guy. But predictably, Feely was torn apart. For everything from being an irresponsible gun owner, to being out of touch with gun safety, to being anti-women for treating his daughter as property. Uh, Okay. okay. Now maybe Feely should have saved that one for the private family photo album. I mean, have you been on Twitter before? So he's invited the world to judge his parenting and handling of guns and sensitivity skills, but anyone with just a thimbleful of common sense understands that Feely was joking. But I don't know, have you ever heard of a father? I've never heard of a father threatening a boyfriend, you know, on a, you know, date thing uh, that's never happened it's it's not like feely is breaking new comedic ground here okay i don't know if anybody noticed that he's not but all of us who are hypersensitive we're addicted to outrage i've it's been three hours without something for me to be really outraged about can somebody feed me some outrage (laughs) yes The hypersensitive progressive PC safe space culture has neutered our sense of humor, common sense, and the ability to put anything into perspective. So yesterday, Feely tweeted the obligatory explanation and apology for the snowflake half of the country who just couldn't make it through the rest of their weekend, knowing that such a gun-toting jokester is allowed to have children. Now, of course, some fathers get more of a pass than others when it comes to threatening would-be suitors with violence in defense of their daughters. Uh, I don't know if anybody remembers this clip by this celebrity. The Jonas
2: Brothers are here.
3: They're out there somewhere. Sasha and Malia are huge fans. But uh, boys don't get any ideas. I have two words for you. Predator drones. (laughs) You will never see it coming.
1: (laughs) Okay. See, this is a joke because obviously the president ever has never just said, let's kill an American citizen with a predator drone. Okay. He has. All right. That man actually has issued that order. But see, the difference is the football guy, he never has actually shot anybody Who was dating his daughter or even somebody who was a bad guy he was just joking i guess the lesson learned here is you can defend your daughter or joke about it but only if you're on the right side and currently the right side is the left
0: it's Monday April 23rd you're listening to the Glenn Beck program
1: do you remember Stu how horrible how horrible I was to my daughter when she was dat she went on a date on the prom
2: and oh my gosh you were horrible if I remember correctly Philliesque uh, Jay Phileque well
1: I I will tell you that I did uh, I mean one of my friends uh, told me that when his daughter went out on the prom uh, he was cleaning his gun. At the kitchen table and asked the boy to come on in and just sit and wait for his daughter and he was cleaning his gun and he had a bullet and uh he was just talking about how how he keep you know how he he cherishes uh his daughter and uh wants to make sure that she's safe and uh and uh and the young man understands respect and and <clears throat> and then handed him a bullet where his name was engraved on it
2: <laughs> and uh You know, I thought that was too far. Uh, That's much worse. That was
1: much worse. Of course,
2: you, I would say, Hmm? uh, may have brought in help. Uh, In fact, it wasn't just you. I
1: will tell you Hmm. that uh, if you have a police officer friend, or uh, in my case, we happen to have uh, 24-hour security for the family, and everybody is well aware of the security. And uh, so I just said to uh, my security guy, Uh, when I look at you, just nod. Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. Just nod. No, just nod. No. And, uh, and honey, I, do you have a, do you have like a Ziploc bag? So I put a Ziploc bag in my pocket in my jacket pocket. I turned it inside out and I put it in my jacket pocket. And then I sat down, uh, at a restaurant. Uh, we just went and had pizza and i talked to the young man about uh about him and uh about my daughter and my daughter was there and he ordered a coke and we ate pizza and had a delightful conversation then i i just happened to bring up uh you know his driving record and uh he i said Do you have any have you ever had any infractions under driving uh and uh he said no i'm no i'm 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 good and I said, oh, that's interesting. And then I looked over to the, my security guy who was sitting at another table, and he just shook his head. And uh, I said, well, it looks like, and the, guy, the kid cut me off and said, okay, okay, there was this one, <laughs> but it wasn't my fault. I, was, I drove down a one-way street accidentally. He confessed, and I stopped him in the middle, and I said, no, 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 don't worry about it. I already know you don't have to tell me I already know <laughs> I had no idea okay <laughs> and I just said I, I already know the kid looked at me like holy mother and I said so uh so we're gonna we're gonna treat my daughter with respect right and he said yeah yeah and I said you have anything else to tell me no no sir I said great we've had a delightful conversation when the when the dinner was done uh Uh, We all stood up. He stood up and got out, and I took the plastic baggie out of my uh, coat pocket. I put my hand inside of it and grabbed his Coke can, and I put it in the ziploc bag and handed it to my security guy <laughs> and he said what what are you i said just running the prints, no big deal <laughs> and uh he was totally freaked out totally freaked out <laughs> the next day it was great my my daughter was just humiliated she was like dad stop it i'm like it's okay honey just just want to make sure you know just sure, he's run the uh, sure, just he's sure he's it's clean Prints real quick i'm sure it's no big deal yeah No biggie, no biggie. Uh, And uh, about two days later, I get a phone call from a dad. It's his dad. And I pick up the phone, and this angry voice says, Mr. Beck? And I said, yes. He said, "Uh, this is so-and-so's father. And I said, oh, and I'm thinking, oh, dear God, I'm in trouble. And uh, I said, oh, uh, yeah, hi. Nice 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 to talk to you. And he said, "May I ask you a question?" I said, "Yes." He said, "My son said that you ran his <laughs> Prince <laughs> and I, and I was like, "Ah, uh, well, yes." And I was going to say, but it was just a, you know a dad thing, and I said, "Well, yes." And he interrupted me and said, "You, sir." Are a genius. <laughs> I have two daughters. I know exactly what I'm going to do. I said you got to you got to ask a cop friend to go with you. It's the best. <laughs> that's
2: brilliant. that's what dads are supposed to do. Yes, that's what you're supposed to do. It's one of the few things we didn't uh, criticize Obama on. Was threatening to drone yes. the Jonas Brothers. Uh, it was one of his policies we were sort of in f- f- favor of. If you got a daughter, you, I actually you know. I. I do think
1: I did point out that it wasn't funny because it's actually what he has done
2: to private citizens. <laughs> it's true, although it is a very standard. No, it is. Dad it is. thing to do. And the fact that it he's is. getting criticized over it, it just shows, again, it's, it's addicted to outrage. We're just dying. We're, we're searching for meaning in our lives, just looking constantly to try to find that one thing that will make us feel awake and alive for the day that we can be angry about that we can fight about you on know, social media I, I'm not sure
1: I'm not sure that's true
2: Really? I think we are being
1: I think we are being held by the nose by the media and social media and it's the same group of people because I mean I was out all this weekend talking to people here in Los Angeles I didn't meet anybody outraged I'm in California mm-hmm. Somehow or another, oh, the perfect weather and the perfect houses and the perfect everything out here is just not perfect enough. You're supposed to be pissed off about everything, too. Oh, my gosh, these people. Anyway, they were delightful. They were delightful. I even met a few that liked me. I, was, I took a walk. It was a beautiful day over the, over the weekend, and I took a walk. So I'm walking down the street. I'm walking through these neighborhoods and this guy slams on his brakes and i'm like oh dear god <laughs> and he rolls down the window and he said are you and i'm thinking uh, wishing i wasn't here right now uh what i couldn't think of anything i just went yes and he got he got out of the truck and of course my my security's like okay 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 all right stay where you are hands in the air you're from california put your hands where i can see them and the guy gets out and he's like i love you man what the hell are you doing just walking around here like he knew I'm like i know There's snipers right what's the deal
2: in other words run but we're
1: <laughs> right but we are, but we're we're really not. I don't think we are outraged people. We get online and we become outraged, and
2: then we're addicted to it. Yeah, it's it's really is an industry designed to exploit our worst, the worst things about among us, our worst tendencies, and it it, it amplifies them uh, to a ridiculous extent. Uh, and, and you know, I guess like it's the type of time too where we shouldn't be doing that. Given that you know the rapture is today, you'd think that maybe we could relax a little bit. Uh, and and come together. In case you don't
1: know, in case you don't know, uh, about 30 days ago, we found out that the rapture was coming. Now, this is a, in case you don't know what the rapture is, that's for all of the good members, uh, you know, of the family of Jesus uh, are all just disappeared and taken up into heaven uh, because things are going to get really, really bad. And so all the good people, they just disappear. Car keys, clothes, everything they're still here but they're gone uh and so i want you to look around i want you to notice you still have your car keys you still have your clothes today was supposed to be the day of the rapture what's that telling you scumbag what's that telling you yeah not good enough i want you to know i've been saying all day i'm in los angeles i'm not i'm actually broadcasting from heaven you're Where st- the, what happened to you people
2: your seat is empty what happened here in Texas you, uh, it
1: is you notice I'm not sitting there I don't see any car keys yeah I'm yeah. in heaven broadcasting live Jesus is a slave driver man he made me get here early I'm working for basic minimum income it's it's, not- and I'm, I'm listening on a I, I'm, I'm working at a, a radio station in heaven that like nobody listens to You know, anybody can be on the radio. It's like working at
2: MSNBC. (laughs) It's like nobody even knows I'm on the air here. I'm crazy. I am um, a little surprised that you still have to to work at all. I kind of was hoping to 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 well.
1: It's uh, you know, it's well. Jesus is a socialist, and I've uh, read that on a lot of left wing websites. Yeah, Uh. (laughs) yeah. I was surprised. I got up here and I'm like, holy cow! He was reading Marx. And uh, I was like, wow, uh, you're really a socialist. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure he's uh, from not. basic minimum income. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you can work if you don't want to. But we have universal health care up here.
2: Well, that's which is nice. Well, it's easy huh? to have universal health care when, when when the guy in charge can just like, kind of heal you when he walks by. That's a, if we had that model, I might be for universal health care. I don't know. Well, you, you, you have to approach him and touch him or something.
1: I don't know exactly how it works, mm-hmm. but you do have to make an appointment. He's a busy guy. Probably He's a true. busy guy. Probably true. Yeah. I don't want to get into all the ins and outs here of heaven, but I just want to point out today is the day of the rapture, and if you are still sitting there on Earth, <laughs> boy, you need to reevaluate your life now, don't you? Down there with that guy taking pictures with his gun on his daughter's date. <sighs> He's still there. All right. FEMA is practicing for an Atlantic hurricane strike, hoping to avoid uh, a repeat of last year's devastation. Hurricane experts are predicting an above average year with as many as five U.S. landfalls. You know why, Stu? I do not. Global, Global cooling or warming. One of the two. It's either way getting way too hot or way too cold.
2: You're not sure of one thing or the opposite. Well, it
1: could be it could be too cold, too hot. It could be just right. I call it the Goldilocks climate effect. So any temperature proves
2: your point. Exactly right. Mm.
1: Anyway, you know, we know about the threats on Russia and cyber terrorism and and, you know, now five hurricanes. They say it's going to be great. This is the week that you might want to build your own emergency food supply and be prepared. This week, the Glenn Beck special offer from uh, My Patriot Supply is buy a two-week emergency food kit and get one free. Buy one, get one. It's 800 or you can order online at preparewithglenn.com. You buy two weeks of food, lasts up to 25 years. It is really good food. It's shipped discreetly to your home. You buy one two-week food supply, and you get the second one free. Limited time right now, this week, 800-200-7163, or preparewithglenn.com. That's 800-200-7163, or preparewithglenn.com.
0: Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck
1: Just down the hallway from George Norrie, the very talented Steve Harvey, and uh, and then me. It's weird, Uh, but uh, welcome to it. We're glad you're here. We're in our Los Angeles studios now, and uh, I want to tell you about uh, our uh, Rights and Responsibilities Museum. The Mercury Museum is uh, happening this year, June 15th through Sunday, June 17th. At the mercury studios in irving texas you don't want to miss it uh this one is a really good if you've ever been to our museums before this one's amazing yes we have a rat with a bomb in its butt and uh, the story behind it's pretty cool i mean it even ties in james bond world war ii all of it don't miss the rat with a bomb in his butt uh just one of the lesser-known features that you'll be seeing at the Mercury Museum.
2: Did you think about titling it, uh, the rat with a bomb in its butt museum? I did think about it, mm-hmm. and I quickly dismissed it. <laughs> okay.
1: But uh, it's what would bring me to the museum. I'd be like, okay, there's some George Washington stuff, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of really cool stuff about the Bill of Rights, but there's a rat with a bomb in its butt, and they have it. And it's from the Second World War, and yes, all of the hair has fallen out, so it is a naked rat with a bomb in its butt.
2: So that's a better title. You're right. Naked rat with a bomb in its butt museum. Come come to it, please. <laughs> right.
1: It's. I mean, it doesn't get any bigger or better than this.
2: The Mercury One
1: uh, Museum, it's mercuryone.org slash museum 2018. Grab your tickets. Learn more about it. It's at our studios. Mark this in your calendar, or grab your tickets now. June 15th through Sunday, June 17th. David Barton is going to be giving away, uh, giving some tours. I'm going to be giving some uh, special tours. Uh, come and see the uh, studios, and we open up the doors and welcome you this summer, June fifteenth through the seventeenth, the Mercury Museum at the Mercury Studios. Again, mercuryone.org/slash/museum2018. Back in a minute.
0: back
1: program all right so i just real quick i just want to throw this in the queen has appealed to the commonwealth leaders to appoint her son prince charles to succeed her as the head she said quote it's my sincere wish that prince charles take over one day as king let me just say this about queen elizabeth big fat liar there is no way she since it's her sincerest hope, she's been taking steroids, she's been taking any kind of life extension drug. She's thought about can you make an audio uh, animatronic muppet out of me because nobody will notice the difference, really? You can just keep me behind because there's no way in hell I'm handing this crown over to Charles because he's a miscreant. So, I don't believe it at all. <laughs> I just want to throw that on. this is and your by the way, moment of Royals what, uh, analysis for the day. yeah, well, it's I thought it was appropriate because today Kate Middleton either is having her baby or has already had her baby. already had it Bruce. I don't know i'm <laughs> I'm so up on it. I'm so excited about the Royals and yet another baby. I think this is like the sixth in line now, and they said that the name, the uh weight and length, and the gender of the child would be posted uh soon. And I thought, man, uh, if that's not the patriarchy, just keeping it down, I mean, how do you know what its gender is, Mm -hmm. right? Let the the child decide when it's two or three what its gender is. Who are you to say?
2: Can I I get an amen? Amen. And two or three is a little late. Uh, I think... You should be able to, I mean, two and three is part of it, but you should be able to identify your gender earlier and then throughout the process, because I think uh, the fluidity. You never. It's, yeah, fluid.
1: We're all gender fluid. Yeah. It's, there's nothing locked down
2: fluid. about your gender. Yeah. You wake up every no, day. You don't no. know. It's just, yeah, it's I'm just like, up in the
1: air. like, what the heck? I'm a chick today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been a chick for a while. I've been noticing that my breasts are getting larger.
2: There's a documentary film that came out recently, Jumanji, uh, in which uh, the, one of the characters was uh-huh. a, uh, a man, and then went into a video game, uh, uh-huh. and then was actually uh-huh. a character in the video game that was a woman, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's pretty much how the real world is, if you think about it. Some it's people, like a video game. Yeah, it's like a video game. Every, you, uh-huh. t- you pick your character when you wake up. You know, When you turn the uh-huh. game on, gives uh-huh. select uh-huh. player one. You figure mm-hmm. out which one you are that day. That's how society should be. I like it. I like it.
1: Reset. <laughs> she likes it. Okay, here we go. Um, <laughs> reset back to a mail again. Um, let me uh, let me just give you the the latest polling numbers on mm-hmm. what Americans think is the biggest problem in the world. Uh, with twenty two percent
2: coming in at twenty two, what is it, Stu? Uh, 22%. uh, Dissatisfaction with government.
1: No, I meant a, I meant of of hmm. like a like you didn't know the answer some sort of a guess that made you seem less Oh, oh like so intellectual than me. So we can build a little the, drama made me in the segment. look good. I, yes. Oh, okay. Yes.
2: All right. I thought I thought I was so, doing Stu, the So Stu, what do you think mm. the number 1 with 22%? Oh gosh, I don't know. Uh, maybe the latest comments from Kanye West, maybe uh whether you're allowed well, to go no, into Starbucks that's... without going, no, pot- no. Uh, going potty <laughs> oh, without buying I can something. See,
1: I can see how you'd say that yeah. stupid person. <laughs> But it's actually dis, uh, it's actually dissatisfaction with the government. Oh my! That's what what, it is. what you, Yeah, wh- that's number one. That's number one. Wow! For three months in a row, coming in at number one with a bullet. Okay, that is oh a- boy! Did I just say that? that you did. That is actually Dissat- amazing. Dissatisfaction
2: though. with the government. If, if you think about it, you know we are told constantly that there are other there's race problems, there's uh, you know, uh, gun problems, there Uh,
1: global warming listen to the white man and his patriarchy again.
2: Yeah, I was going to get to global warming global
1: warming and cooling.
2: Unlike people in this poll, I was going to get to global warming (laughs) because they never got there. (laughs) They never got there so here it is.
1: By the way, have you noticed, has anybody else noticed this? I've been meaning to talk to you about this for a while, Stu. I've got to start pulling out the articles, and I'm hearing it on television, too, all of the well, it's too late now. It's too late now. So uh, it's just horrible. And it's too late. and oh, yeah. it's all it's it's all over. It's 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 beyond consensus. It's now happening that we're all starving to death. Have you yeah, noticed that? Have, a,
2: anybody else read that? It's no longer the extreme plea, we must do something now or something bad will happen. It's now. Yeah, now it's, we're how, do we,
1: how do we minimize the damage that's being done and the starvation that is being caused right now?
2: That is, it. yeah. I mean, and, and I think yeah, that's
1: counterproductive, it. is it not? Cause, I mean, I, yeah, because it's all kind of like, oh, well, I can't do anything about it now. Why well, spend $14 trillion? Yeah. As a down payment. Like if you're going to spend the 14000000000000 trillion, you'd like
2: to get something out of it.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right. So dissatisfaction with the government, which that's twenty two percent, and I bet you that is both sides. It's both sides. You know, it, you know. It, Stu was talking about the Donald Trump media that they're making him into the you know the big boogeyman, mm-hmm. and the 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 story in the Atlantic, which I can't believe the Atlantic would print something that some people might disagree with, but um, they're they're talking about how. Um, the media is is you know juicing up Donald Trump and and that may not be the proper role for the uh, the the um,
2: the president.
0: Yeah, I mean it never the, it
2: wasn't uh, you know the, uh, and I've come come to this conclusion relatively recently, Glenn. That Lyndon Johnson is turning into my own personal Woodrow Wilson for me. Like I oh he is agonizing and and say it say it i I hate hate that guy okay (laughs) Okay. all right uh because it's one of those things where you without will without wilson you don't have lyndon johnson so i mean i think you could definitely argue that wilson is more important in this story lyndon johnson just freaking piled it on i mean he was the first guy who went to every disaster to show you a little you know a little piece of of, no, of, he was a of the great guy. society in action a little a little i think they called it in in the atlantic piece a great society house call and it's like that is what he constantly did he wanted the government government and the presidency and the federal government in particular to constantly be involved in your life every time something went wrong so that you would continually uh depend on it over and over and over again and of course that's where we are now where every time it i mean you know, every time it rains, every time it snows, every time there's wind somewhere, we expect FEMA to show up and bail us all out of the situation. That is not what this country was like for the the vast majority of its history.
1: Is that hateful? The opinions of the uh, co-host uh, <laughs> uh, are not necessarily those of the host. I mean, there's only one president to really hate, and that is Woodrow Wilson. You can strongly dislike the actions of. Of LBJ and the things that he did as my mother would say you don't hate him you dislike the things that he did and I'd say Woodrow and she'd say no Woodrow Wilson you hate (laughs) but everybody else Uh, anyway dissatisfaction for government is number one Um, immigration and illegal aliens number two and by the way have you seen the latest polls in California over half of the people are saying uh, we got to do something with the illegal immigration problem
2: yeah does that feel like the media coverage you've received over the past couple of months if you're watching TV That's you're strange it doesn't feel like the number 2 concern of America right now is illegal immigration because no you, i mean if you're a racist yeah only if you're a racist yeah. right yeah and number 3 is
1: race relations I agree with I agree with all three of these right now. Dissatisfaction of the government, immigration illegal aliens, race relations, uh, that feels right to me. That that's where America is. Number 4 is gun control and guns. And that's with
2: 6%. 6%. What's interesting Six. about that one is it's down from 13% last month. So Well, it,
1: it went from 1 to 13 to six and i'll bet you at least two or three of those six points are from people going
2: they're coming for the guns yeah i bet you you're right yeah you're probably right and that's the thing that's interesting about the gun control debate when the, these the two things you've seen recently on the left when it comes to a mass shooting for example you you have them saying well i am gonna i am going to politicize it i am they're admitting that now and they're doing it from from moment one there's no delay anymore. There's no grieving for victims. There's none they of that. have to. And it's the same thing with thoughts and prayers, right? Thoughts and prayers, oh, we don't care about thoughts and prayers. That doesn't do anything. We need, we need real reform. The reason those two things are happening is because of this phenomenon. It went from one percent, less than 1% as the biggest concern because that's the reality of it. In reality... That's how we feel. We feel that there are obviously like there are people who act in a bad way with guns. But in reality, it's not our biggest problem. It spikes up to 13 because of emotion in that moment where you really have that emotional reaction and people feel terrible for these families and terrible for the people who died. That That is that moment where it jumps up and it jumped all the way up to the number two problem in the country from not even on the list from one to 13 percent in one month. And the reason why they can no longer allow you to uh, have that moment of mourning and not politicizing it, and that moment of you saying thoughts and prayers, they have to disintegrate those two points, because the only way they can get this done is by using your emotion. They need to get rid of, they they can't wait to the end of the thoughts and prayers period, because that's the only time they can get any of this stuff done. It's all emotion, so it is sure. Do they want to denigrate religion? Yeah, Absolutely. But in this case, that's secondary. What they want to do is to tell you that f- that first week is too vital to them grabbing control of your rights for them to, to let it slide anymore. And that is uh, that's where they are. And you see this. And, and in a way, they're, it's true. They're not wrong on this. Support for this issue fell by more than half in one month. This is the month where David Hogg is out there on every single television show every day. This is the month where uh, these guys are marching all over the place. The march occurs. The walkouts occur. We are told over and over again, this time's different because it's grassroots and it's high school students, and they're going to make a difference this time. In reality, Americans know this is not true. The arguments made by these activists are inaccurate. They're BS. And so once we come back to our senses and we say, okay, God, that was a really terrible thing. But wait a minute, do we really want to lose our rights? The second we get to that moment, their their opportunity to do these things to us is gone. So that is why they're fighting so hard against them. And you're seeing this immediately, even with all those things. From 13 to 6 in one month, the next month it's going to be 2. And then there's going to be no chance at all. Until the next shooting. Until the next Which shooting. Which just
1: happened. Again. Which just happened at the Waffle House by a crazy guy who didn't put pants on. I mean, is it the gun's fault? It's the gun's fault? He wasn't wearing any pants <laughs> or underwear or he was wearing a jacket. I don't know. I don't think it's the gun's fault. I think it was the madman without pants. And remember, they took the guns from this guy, they already yeah. said he had no rights to them. Uh, so. Well, you- if we just got rid of all of them. If we just got rid of all of them, if we just melted them all down and we made sure that all the racists never worked at Starbucks, we'd be a better place. (laughs) Wouldn't the world be a better place? Oh, absolutely. Big news in the last uh, 2 weeks, Simply Safe won the Editor's Choice Awards from CNET Magazine, PC Magazine, and The Wirecutter. These are the three respected product testers for high tech. They put Simply Safe through a battery of tests compared it to all the other home security products and Simply Safe won hands down every single time. I've been telling you about Simply Safe for years. In my opinion, it's the best home security system, hands down. I know the founders. I know how much care they take, how much each piece of this new design they have spent. I saw the first camera that they were introducing, I think, three years ago. It never made it to market because they realized I don't want to put cameras in people's houses because people will feel like somebody's always watching. So they had to design a, a, a lens cover that is made out of metal and loud enough so you can hear it open and close, and quiet enough to where you're like, okay, all right, can we shut that thing down? So when you when you arm the cameras, you'll hear zzzz. So, you know, if somebody's watching you, it's that kind of thinking that makes Simply Safe unbelievable. Plus, you can control it from your phone and. It's not a gadget. It is home protection for all of your windows, your doors, your entire home, and your family 24 hours a day, 365. The professional alarm monitoring is there for you around the clock for $15 a month with no contracts, no strings, and no wires. It's SimpliSafeBeck.com. Own the system yourself and protect your family and your home. SimpliSafeBeck.com. Take off 10% now at SimplySafebeck.com.
0: Glenn Beck,
1: Mercury. Glenn Beck. So, uh, welcome back to the uh, program. We're in Los Angeles. We want to thank everybody who worked over the weekend to make the broadcast uh, possible today. Uh, took everybody who was working here in the studios yesterday to, uh, or a day before yesterday, to uh, to lunch. Uh, just across the street here from the studios. Uh, What is it called? School district or... Public school. It's called public school. And uh, I had the PB&J Burger. What? Peanut butter and jelly hamburger. And so it was uh, chunky peanut butter with some sort of hot kind of spicy jelly uh, on a bun and it was the uh, 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 this was this was one of the bigger risks of my life. I will tell you. Some people skydive. Uh, I <laughs> went across the street and I said, "So tell me about that." And she said, eh, "People either love it or hate it." And I was like, "I'm gonna roll the dice. I'm gonna do it." Wait, yeah. h- Hold on.
2: So it's peanut butter and jelly on a bun. Is there a burger on the bun? Yeah. Too?
1: There's a burger. Yeah. So it's a burger, a hamburger with peanut butter and jelly.
2: On a oh, oh, that does not sound good at all. It was actually really good. So what are you getting? You're getting really get good. A sweet and savory type of situation. Is that what they're going for there? I can't even describe what. I mean, peanut butter on a burger does not sound good. It was bl- blueberry habanero? Yeah, blueberry habanero uh, uh, jelly. The jelly actually, though, like you know, you can put a sweet thing on a burger. And it's, you know, like people, you know, it's like like the classic um, turkey and cranberry sauce sort of sandwich after Thanksgiving, right? Like a little sweet. I like uh, to uh,
1: put, I like to put a burger on a
2: sweet thing. Okay. (laughs) Okay. That was gross. But
1: uh, (laughs) (laughs) But everybody just was driving their car went, "Oh, oh, ick. Oh my gosh. Oh, stop.
2: Oh, oh anyway go ahead <laughs> you have a weird <laughs> fantasy going on there yeah um, <laughs> well it involves hamburgers <laughs> but uh yeah I mean but peanut butter is the thing that really stands out to me as it that's actually a was idea. really good try it you should
1: try it it was actually really good it was it was really chunky peanut butter too it was it was interesting it was really good I'm only saying this so I don't feel so stupid for ordering it. I'm like, no, everybody should go try it. (laughs) Look, you tried it too, okay?
0: Glenn Beck Mercury